Through the written word and the spoken word, God, help us to hear your living word, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus, let us sit at your right and your left. James and John ask to sit next to Jesus in the heavenly realm. They want thrones near their teacher and savior. In some ways, this request makes perfect sense. They want to be near this man who has taught them so much. And in other ways, it is a request that is completely contrary to the message Jesus has been preaching. I sort of wonder if the other disciples secretly wanted this honor, but didn't say it. Either way, though, James and John are the ones to ask. And James and John get a talking to. Jesus reminds them and all of the disciples, yet again, that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Over the past few weeks, we have witnessed a whole series of reminders like this one. Jesus has talked about the place of women and children and the place of the poor. Jesus is reversing assumptions about power and glory. Jesus starts by reminding the disciples of the importance of children the innocent, and powerless. Then, when talking about divorce, Jesus elevates women. Divorce left women abandoned. So to condemn divorce in an ancient world is to protect women from poverty and destitution. Then, in the passage we heard last week, Jesus tells the rich man to sell all of his possessions and give the money to the poor. In other words, the rich are being brought down and the poor brought up. Jesus is questioning a status quo of stratification, a status quo of reaching and straining for power and of not letting that power go once we have it. In particular here, adult men with money are being challenged. Meanwhile, women, children, and people in poverty are being intentionally brought into the reign of God. Yet the disciples still have the nerve to ask for a seat of power and glory. The disciples don't seem to get it. They've heard all these teachings and still don't get it. Mind you, these are men who have left their lives behind to follow Jesus. In some ways, they've already given up everything for the sake of God. And yet, they have not let go of their hope for glory. They don't get it. And guess what? We don't get it either. Even on our best, most generous, most Jesus-centered days, I would bet that we still want glory in some kind, We want to be liked, we want money, we want power, we want beauty, we want and want and want. And even though we don't generally ask in these words, we want to join Jesus on the throne. Even though, as Jesus reminds us, 
We don't know what we are asking. What we know is that we want that glory. And our inability to let go of this desire is the root cause of racism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia, and all kinds of hate, exclusion, and judgment. Raising ourselves requires minimizing and marginalizing others. Sadly, this is a big part of our Christian history. We have continued the structures that Jesus condemned, and we are having the same struggles that the disciples did. You see, early Christians were persecuted for their faith. Faith in our one God prevented early Christians from swearing allegiance to the emperor, which, as we know, resulted in exclusion, torture, and martyrdom. Enter Constantine. Constantine's conversion to and acceptance of Christianity made Christianity in line with the empire. And over time, Christianity became the religion of the empire. And we took that to the ends of the earth. There are, of course, many threads of Christianity, but those Christians with historical power began to connect their faith and power assuming that it must be from God. Then there's a long history of colonialism, manifest destiny, and hatred of those in other religions. The underdogs took power and loved it. Christians in much of the world have soaked up that power and refused to let it go. I want to be really clear that there are still Christians who are persecuted for their faith in other parts of the world. And there are Christians in the world, especially in the global south, who have sought to liberate their faith from the religion of the colonizers. Here in the United States, we bear the heritage of colonialist Christians. And we've somehow managed to create a version of Christianity that furthers the divide between the powerless and the powerful. Jesus taught of a way of life that brought people together and reduced stratification. And still, in some ways, Christianity has become a religion of deep separation. Here in the United States, Sunday morning is the time when segregation is most present. And the church does minister to people at all levels of power and privilege, but it's rare that we truly meet in the middle. Most people still find it easier to relate to folks in the same tax bracket, culture, and race. All this separation, while we hear Jesus saying, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. Our search for greatness comes to a sudden halt before God. Our history, as well as our day-to-day lives, allow us to believe in a false sort of greatness that divides, separates, and harms. The systems around us that keep people in poverty, that divide races into classes, 
and that make the world feel like a constant competition are in direct opposition to the word of God. This is where I remind you that good news is not always easy news and is, in fact, is often quite hard. The good news in our gospel this morning is twofold. For those who have been excluded, marginalized, pushed out, and judged by society, it is good news to know that you will be brought up. You will be right there in the front row as we enter the kingdom of God. And I am so glad People who have endured hurts that should never have been part of a person's life experience get to skip right to the front of the line. That's good news. That is redemptive and liberating news. Now for the hard good news. For those of us with power and privilege, it is hard to let go of systems that help us maintain that power and privilege. It is hard to let go of those things that make our lives more comfortable than necessary. It's hard to do the internal work of disentangling our internalized biases. But God calls us to do that work. It's hard. And still, this is also redemptive and liberating news. The truth is we don't have to cling to and claw at a life of glory, power, and privilege. Letting go of those desires and trusting in God is so much easier. While it is certainly hard to deconstruct our systems and ways of life, it is harder still to live a life that is obsessed with always moving up in the world. It is taxing on our souls and bodies to think that our worth is attached to our production and wealth. It is challenging for our souls to put others down so that we might rise up. It is exhausting to always want to be the best. God promises a world where fellowship wins the day. God's reign is not stratified and segregated. That is the world I want to live in. That is the kingdom of God and is our call from God. And we have a lot of work to do. Rather than asking if we may sit at Jesus' right and left, might we ask how we can be truly present to our neighbor? Might we hear God's word through the stories of those around us? Might we loosen our grip on the things that bring us comfort so we are ready to grab the hand of a person near us who is struggling? Might we learn to truly serve one another? And might we follow Jesus and in so doing let go of our hope for worldly glory? Amen.